You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. We are in John chapter 5, verses 19 through 29. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father." Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is the word of the Lord. You can now have a seat, and the kids can be dismissed to their class. Good morning. My name is Michael. I am one of the pastors here. Would you pray with me? Father, what a gift to sit under your word, to sing to you and about you, and to do that with other brothers and sisters, people who who you have invited to be part of your family. Would you let this word shine bright? Holy Spirit, would you do stuff in us, in the way that we think, in the way that we feel, in the the depth of our being, in the way that we live, the things that we do and, and say? Would all of those things be conformed to this book and this word. May everything that we do honor Jesus today and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to show you a picture real quick. This picture is of my son. He is uh, he's a little older now. Um, he was fixing a toilet, as you can tell, uh, many years ago. Um, with a screwdriver. Um, so I don't, I don't know that he was getting it done, but, but there he is. Um, so he's helping me fix the toilet. Uh, you can take that off there, um, Chad. <clears throat> uh, moments like that, man, when I, like, I, we take a lot of pictures, and so there's always photo reminders coming through, Google Photos and all that stuff or whatever. And um, when we look back, pictures like that are, are gifts because they, they mean something. You know what I mean? Like if you're a parent in the room or, or you have relationships or, or whatever that are dear to you, that when you look back and you see those things, they mean something. You can imagine that when I see that, that means something to me. My little son trying to help me fix a toilet. Like the parent-to-child relationship is kind of a big deal. Um, Mother-daughter, certainly father-son, those are unique uh, relationships. And this one in particular, the, the father-son relationship, is the expression that God wanted to use to make himself known. Now, there is danger in considering 
Jesus the Lord as a maybe somewhat unhelpful, bumbling child poking the toilet with a screwdriver to, to help daddy, right? There's danger in that. Like, hear me. On the flip side, Jesus was fully God, and he was, he was fully man. And, and there's a ton of questions that I have about all that, and theologians debate all that stuff, but I, I don't know if he, he came out, um, showed up just speaking fluent, you know, every language and all those things. And so, like, the humanity of Jesus is intriguing, and, and it it kind of comes to bear a bit in this text. Um, I don't think that God made father and son on earth and then thought like, hey, that, that's what we have, like with, with Jesus. Like, I don't think he saw that and then said, well, oh man, like look, we're doing the same thing, right? In fact, it, you know it was just the flip, that when he set out and he made creation and everything with a purpose, and certainly sin has broken that, like at every turn, and, and certainly the parent-child relationship broken in, in so many ways, but, but it's just the opposite, that, that knowing what we know, he did just the opposite. He made human relationships reflecting his relationship. Father, son, right? And, and the, the analogy breaks down in its human form, like at eventually at every turn, like I existed before Titus. That wasn't true with the father and son. They both always existed. And, and there are a million ways that that breaks down. Um, nonetheless, this is what we are told about the dynamic of the persons of God, that there is one God and, and three persons, father, son, spirit, each fully God. God is one. Jesus, eternal son, existing always, equal father, son, spirit, no beginning, no end, filled with majesty, and like, hear me when I tell you this, filled with mystery. He shows up to earth as a baby boy. He grows into a Jewish man, a carpenter by trade, a savior by purpose, and he does the will of his father at every turn. He was the perfect expression of humanity, the prototype for what our first ancestor, Adam, could not deliver on. He's the prototype for humanity, for what you and I could never do on our own to live for the worship, the glory, the honor, the obedience of the Father, and to do so joyfully as our highest aim. So, we're journeying in John. We've seen a lot of little like narrative snippets and Jesus interacting with the woman at the well and, and with uh, the, these other people. And, and this, like it just kind of expands out and it's not something that moves the story along. It's a pause to declare some truth. John is revealing that Jesus isn't merely a prophet, although certainly he is. He isn't a magician, although he can change water to wine. He isn't merely compassionate. He isn't just a great leader or a great teacher, but he is, he is God. Something that many of us would assume true. But again, if we can sit with the ones interacting in John chapter 5, they don't know what they don't know at that point. He is God. He, he, he began uh, uh, a transition in the text just prior to this where Jesus is accused of healing someone on the Sabbath and Jesus says this, like, I'm working. Or no, he says, my dad's working. Like, who is this guy? Like, who does this guy think he is who's, who's considering himself equal with God the Father, right? And so that kind of tips him up. And then what we see now is kind of some commentary on those truths that were being exposed in the interaction with Jesus and 
the Pharisees. Here's what's unfolding. Jesus has authority from God as God, and his authority demands obedience. There's a, two words in there that we might not love, and one of them's in there twice, and one of them is authority, and one of them is obedience. Like, those just don't make me feel good. And yet, that's what John is inviting us to behold, that Jesus has authority from God as God, and his authority demands obedience. So I want to point just real quickly to three things. This was from uh, a commentary, Christ-centered exposition by Matt Carter and Josh Redberg. And this is not the, the outline of the sermon, but it was too good for me not to share with you, right? And so there's, there's the potential for like some theological clogging to happen when you read, like when you're hearing this focal passage and you're like, uh, and the Father is the Son and the Son and the judgment and, all the, and you're just like, what is happening? These are kind of some helpful things. You can take a picture of this or whatever to like consider as we're journeying through this text, Jesus does what only God can do. That's pretty significant because it, it indicates that he is God. Jesus receives honor only God deserves. Well, that's significant because if only God deserves that honor, then wait, then he must be God. And Jesus has power only God can claim. And he does it time and time again. Right? Feel uh, a wild reality. This, this Jesus, the, the one who, who turned water to wine, the one who told the, the lame man to walk, Joseph and Mary's boy, the one who's kind of getting a following, he is God. He has divine authority that only comes from God. And because he is one with God, as John has already told us in John 1, and he, he's not only one with, he is God discover that together for the next few minutes. The, the reality is these truths, they don't just hang in clouds. Like, oh, okay. Like, well, he, there it is. It's not just like um, my, my daughter, she's always saying like fun, fun fact. And like, she'll tell you like a fun fact, like fun fact, like, ostriches don't really stick their head in the sand. You're like, oh, wow. And, and you, that would never have an impact on your life. This is not like that. Right? These are not just fun facts that hang out in the clouds, but they come to bear into the depths of our being, our living, our past, our future, and even right here today, the truth of who Jesus is, it shapes us by his identity, by his honor, by his power. So with, with these things in mind, we get to see them shape us and, and, and shape our being and shape our living. They show up in this text in a couple, there are three like truly, trulys, and if you're ever reading the Bible and you see Jesus say, like, truly, truly, you're like, what is this? Like he's sipping tea, right? It's actually like an, an urgent declaration. It's, it's an urgent, it's urgent that you hear what, what's about to come out of my mouth. And, and not only that you hear it, but that you heed it, right? So it's warnings kind of in this text as well. Sorry. So in light of the authority that Jesus has, man, we get to live in light of him and obey well, how do we do that? The first thing is this. We get to honor the Son, right? We get to honor the Son as the Son honors the Father. I'll start reading in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, 
but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And he goes on, for, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Right? The Father is inviting the Son in to see these things. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Right? He's, he's saying literally, you're going to see him do stuff that will blow your mind. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. See what John's doing? Like he's saying some real big stuff. He's letting us know some really big things. He's giving us these words of Jesus that are, are really significant. All right, what does honor mean? Like you might look it up and it would probably say something like respect or like to, to give appropriate recognition, which is fair. Like it's, it's respecting appropriately. You understand the relationship, the dynamic, you know, do you know who you're talking to type of thing. <clears throat> uh, for some cultures, honor is its highest value. Like, like you can't bring dishonor upon the family. And if you do that, then you're excluded forever. Like honor, honor culture's a big deal. Um, some might think of like military salutes. Like we need to honor our country or when the, when the general or the commander comes in and like you, you honor him. But here's the thing with that. Like you could stand there until all of the blood rushes out of your hand that doesn't mean that you're honoring him with your heart, right? So it can't be just something that we do. It's not going through the motions, right? It's not stuffy, but it's, it's genuine. And we might hear it like this, like at, at a funeral or when someone significant dies on, and they're talking about them, you know, on the news or whatever, they say like, man, and so you know, as a way to honor them, and so we're going to do this thing because it's what they would do. And so it's kind of this thing like we get to take on their way of life, to honor them. How does the son honor the father? Well, it says, whatever the father does, so does the son. Whatever the father does, so does the son. The son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the father do. The father loves the son and he shows him all that he's doing and he will show him even greater works so that you will marvel. The hearers who are hearing that, who are hearing the words come out of Jesus, they've not seen him die. They've not seen him take on the cross. They've not seen him blow up death's scheme and resurrect. They've not seen him ascend to rule and reign. And then where does this find us? So those things will make them marvel, my, my goodness, Right? But, but then there are things that we haven't seen. We haven't seen him return and take back the dead to call them up. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen him restore all things and make all things new. Everything that's broken and every tear that, that has ever been shed, the, the light will be shown on, on, on the why and, and how that has unfolded to ultimately to give God all the glory and he makes all things new. We haven't seen that. 
We will marvel at that. We will marvel at the works of the Son. Well, then he, he kind of goes on and he shows it unfolding. He says, as the Father raises the dead and gives life, that, that would make me marvel. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. How does he honor the Father? Life is found through the Son. And then he goes on, he says, the Father has given all judgment to the Son. Which I hope you caught that. Because like, you're like, wait, Jesus, the one with the blue eyes and the soft focus? That guy? The one who's always just giving hugs everywhere he goes? The one who loves me exactly as I am? Hold on. He's the, he's the judge? Does that catch you off guard? If, if it does, it, it's probably because you have kind of a, a dysfunctional dichotomy of the, full, of the fullness of God. All right, last week we talked about how we separate God and the Son, the Father and the Son, and he's like, there's not any room for that. And here we're separating Jesus from, from Jesus, or maybe the idealized version that you have for Jesus and the real Jesus that we see. He is loving. He is compassionate. He's all those things. He probably didn't have blue eyes, right? And there was no, no bokeh effect, right? No soft focus for him. Honor the Son as the Son honors the Father. What does that mean? Well, it means that we do what the Son does. Certainly we have limits. We are finite. We can't do what we can't do. But I think all of the, the way of the Christian life is summed up in two words. Follow me. Look, I, I confuse this. Right? I think it's about all the things. And it's so much more than that. It is about repentance and belief. It is about trust and, and, and life and, and all of these things. But, but when it boils down to it, what do we do as citizens of the kingdom? Follow me. And if you think that that doesn't come at a cost, then, you, then you're not willing to do what it might require of you. Follow me. Honor the Son by doing what he does and living out of the truth he gives. Right? Let, let his life and truth shape every part of every part of you. Be conformed to the image of Jesus. That means that, that if, if this is life and this is Jesus then our life gets to be like cellophane just laid over top of it. And that means that we get to do that in, in our emotions, in joy, in peace, that, that find their way out of us in ways that don't make any sense. Peace that surpasses all understanding. It means that in, in suffering and in mourning, through tears and, and hurt and anguish and anger, all of those things are part of the full range of emotion that God has. It means that all of us and all of our emotions get to be conformed to Jesus as we express those things. It means that all of our thoughts get to be conformed to Jesus for his honor. It means that our, our meditations are conformed to him. It means that your Fantasies and daydreams are conformed. It means that our actions, the things that we do and the things that we say, 
are all follow me. All that we do gets to be obedient to the way, the teaching, the honor of Jesus. And, and then beyond that, we see, we see Paul show up, right? An apostle of Jesus. And, and he wrote so much of, of this book, most of the New Testament. And he like met Jesus later on in like some weird ways, right? But, but what did Paul say? He said, follow me as I follow Jesus. To Paul, follow Jesus. He invited others to follow him. Likewise, Paul's disciples said, hey, follow me. I'm a student of Paul. He was a student of Jesus. Follow me as we follow Paul together so long as he follows Jesus. And you know what? Craziest thing happened. And, and then they had disciples who followed them, who followed, who followed, who followed. Right? Now with any organization, you know, things get diluted the more layers you add. Right? The church was like kind of a wreck uh, in about the 15th and 16th century. And, and, and there were some, some men and women that rose up. And they, they began to reform the, the crookedness of all the dilution that had happened over years and years and years. And you know what they said? Hey, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. That's what we get to do. Point one another back to following Jesus. This book, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and, and we get to do that together. And, and then here's the thing. There's someone, if you're a follower of Jesus, there was, there was someone who was following Jesus and he said, hey, you should follow him. Let me show you the way. And you know what? You get to be that. You get to be the same thing. You get to say, hey, look, I'm following, I'm following Jesus. Do you want to follow Jesus with me? Like That's what the church is, right? And, and I, I overcomplicate at every turn, but it's just a bunch of people figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus together. Um, Owen Barfield said this. <clears throat> There's a quote, I think it'll be up on the screen. Somehow what, uh, he, he said uh, of C.S. Lewis, who was a friend of his, and he says, somehow what Lewis thought about everything was, secret, was secretly present in the way he spoke about anything. <clears throat> somehow what Lewis thought about everything was, was secretly present in the way he spoke about anything. Now, that can mean lots of things, but when I, when I consider what it looks like to honor the Son, I think of this, that all of life, with Him in mind, with His honor, His glory, His love, His devotion, His obedience to me, for me first, and then through me, Him first, and then I get to let that drip out of, of me wherever I go and whatever I do. As I abide in Jesus, as I follow him, as I know what it looks like to be part of his way, then everything that I do and every word that I say and, and every action that, that I put in front of others gets to just, just drip with the reality that I, I get to follow Jesus. That's what we get to do. As we sing, here we stand, our hearts are yours, not my will, but yours be done. And I think the maturity of life is that that starts, at, starts off as we follow Jesus and it feels really tough. It's fighting against us. But as we are conformed, then what happens in us is that we begin to delight in being obedient. We get to delight in the authority of Jesus in our life. 
of course, we can't honor him if we don't know him, if we don't know the Father or the way of the Son, all right? And so the second thing is this. We get to listen to the Son. Listen to the Son as the Son listens to the Father. This is in verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. There's just so much in all of these things that, that we can't get to, but anyone who has ever been a teenager has probably used this line, uh, like, I, I heard you, right? Um, I remember being a teenager, and I remember using that line, like, Michael, I need you to, you know, take out the trash. Uh, I, I heard you, you know. Yeah, I heard you. Yeah, I I need, there's, there's this uh, comedian, um, he kind of does spoofs or whatever on like teenagers and, and one of the things is like, hey, you know, son, I need you to like stop playing video games. I, 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 mom, I heard you. Like, son, I need you to help your sister. I heard you, dad. Like he just saying like, I heard like all the things. I, I heard you. And, and the reality is um, God is inviting us to hear his word, but the hearing God is in, in mind here is not like the teenager who hears his mom's chore list. It's not like that at all. This hearing transfers to belief, and that belief is the thing that, that yields eternal life for us today and forever. It's not passive, but it is engaged listening. Like, I stand up and talk to you for two hours every week like this, and some of you are way better listeners than others. And I get it. Like, I have responsibility in this, right? I understand. There are people who sit here, and, and in the last couple months, there's been a couple people who've been hanging out for like a month or two, and I went up to them afterwards, and I said, I just want to thank you for just listening so well. Because I look at the sea of faces, and they're like, you know, playing Pokemon Go and trying to catch something up. I don't know what's happening, Right? This stuff going on. And then some of you are like meditating and digging into the word. And some of you are fact checking, right? I don't know what you're doing. It's fine. Like do all those things. And some of you are just in. You're like, yes. And I tell a joke and you laugh. It's so good. <laughs> and I shed tears and you shed tears. Right? That's the listening. It's, it's with intention. It's not just hearing passively, but it's listening to the word of God. And so I just real practically want to give you a couple thoughts. Like how do we listen to the word of God? How do we listen to the word of God? You can hit that next one. Um, just three real quick ways. Uh, we, get to, we get to open the book together. Right? If you're not a part of this church, be a, be a part of a church that, that preaches this and not anything else. Right? We, we get to gather together as often as we do, once a week in the regular rhythms of, of life, and we get to open this book together and we get to listen to the word. Right? We get to do that in community. And for us at this church, we get to connect in community group where we, where we kind of dive deeper and create space to, to let this show up and, and, and bear fruit in our lives. And we get to ask questions about it and we get to learn. And, and for me, I, I study for, you know, 20 hours a week to get up here and talk to you for 45 minutes. And then I sit in community group every week to see things in this book that I didn't see. What a gift 
We get to do that together, and not just in community group, but man, here's the question. As the pattern of your life, do you ever sit down across from someone else and open this book? Your family, friend, someone that lives in Phoenix and you're on a video call, hey, let's take 15 minutes and just open the book together. Like, I know you don't have time, but, but what I, I don't have time. But what I believe is, is at the end of days, we will look back and there's nothing that would have been more valuable. We get, to, we get to come gather as the church under the word. We get to sit across from someone else, open the book together, and then, then we get to open the book personally, you and the Lord, right? Open the book as often as you do. God, let me know you, not what this guy said, not what that guy I follow on TikTok said. Let me know you, and I want to do that by, by opening this book. God, would you help me follow you as I open this book and get to know you, right? And that can be overwhelming. So you don't have to read every page of this book today. It's the end of February. I know that your 2022 reading plan is just, it went up in smoke months ago. I, I know that. I, I know that. That's okay. Right? This week, open the book. Think about it a couple of different ways. One, as we listen to Jesus and listen to this word, we get to glean, right? Some of you are kind of gleaning right now. Gleaning means maybe you listen, scrolling through social and you click on a Gospel Coalition article and it might point you to the word in some way and that's helpful. That's gleaning, right? We get to rake, right? And we get a rake and, and sometimes when you rake, you might find things that are helpful and you, you eliminate the waste and, and those things. And so you might say, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible over the next three years, right? And I'm going to fail, but I'm going to do it. Or I might read the New Testament um, this year or something like that, right? That's raking. You're just, you're just getting through it, right? You're listening to it while you're brushing your teeth and on the way to the car. Like, that's good stuff. And, and at times, you need to dig and you need to say, okay, I, I hear what it looks like to discover the Bible when I connect in community group on Sundays what if, I, what if I did that for myself? And not just read to get through it, but if I just paused and said, okay, I'm going to read the four Gospels, or I'm going to read the crucifixion in each of the four Gospels as Easter approaches, and I want to just like dig in, and I want to ask questions, and it's not, we're going to do that. And, and no matter where all that meets you, you get to meditate. You get to think deeply. Read in the morning. Don't just like take a drink and run out. Sip it. God, what, what are you inviting me into? What do I need to know that I can't know without you? We need to think deeply, right? Uh, none of that happens by accident. We don't get to grow in our listening that leads to belief and that belief that leads to eternal life. We don't get to, it doesn't happen by accident, right? It's impossible for you to follow Jesus over the long haul without listening to him. And, and you might be thinking like, well, I'm spiritually minded. Well, that's great. 
There are a lot of people who are spiritually minded that will, that will split. You might say, well, like I took some classes once and I have some pretty good foundations, so I think I'm good. Like your foundations won't sustain you. Those, those things will not sustain you through. You might say, well, I have a mature theology that won't cut it. It must be a regular natural pattern and, and rhythm of your life, God-centered on your own and with others. And when you listen and when you believe this truth, your life will be blown wide open and nothing will be safe. Amen. And that is the way of eternal life. William Wallace, right? Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Man, let's be men and women that live, right? The last thing is this. We get to receive the judgment of the sun. I was in a gym, uh, which is not uncommon for our family, um, in the last couple weeks, and I was at a, a basketball tryout. And at one point, the coach, he kind of huddled the kids up, and I was, like, sitting there. Just, I think I was, like, writing this sermon or something, you know, like, um, sitting there on the bleachers and whatever. And, and he, like, brings them in. He's like, hey, you guys, like, I, you know, you need to do something to separate yourself. Everybody's just playing the same game, like, whatever. Like, what are you afraid of? And then, and then he said, he asked two questions. He said to one kid, like, are, they, are these people paying you? Like the teammates, or not even teammates, it's a tryout. So, like, it's, you know, it's uneasy, right? Are these people paying you? No. And then he, then he asked this other question. He says, are they judging you in the afterlife? And this is not like, well, it's not an upwards basketball, right? This is not a Christian environment, right? He says, are these people judging you in the afterlife? And I'm like, what? He says, if, if they're not paying you, they're not judging you in the afterlife, then don't worry about what they think of you. Right? It's two things, but it's whatever, like, I get it. But the funny thing was it, it didn't catch anyone off guard. People weren't like confused. I mean, maybe confused, like what? But the idea of a judgment in the afterlife was not confusing to 14-year-old boys. I read this week Bob Thune uh, on Twitter. He's a pastor, Acts 29 guy, author, whatever. Um, he, was, he was like in response to some of the war rhetoric and some stuff that's going on in Ukraine and and some of the statements that have been made, he says, I find it interesting that when we need strong words of denouncement, like we're going to you know, tear something down, when we need strong words of denouncement, hell always makes an appearance. We instinctively sense that we live in a moral universe and that some kind of final judgment must be required to sort it all out. See, Jesus comes to inaugurate the long-declared judgment of God. Is even in our culture, as messed up as it is, is relatively commonly accepted in one way or another. It's embraced because we have a warped view of good and bad, and, and the scales always tip in our favor. And, and the, the one just to the left of us, or just to the right of us, they're the ones that are really going to get it. But gosh, we're, we're in a good place. As if justice is, is just the way that we live our life. Some embrace judgment if, if, if they think that they're really good. We see Jesus interact with people like that a lot. Maybe that's you. Like, you've just been a really good kid. You're a really good adult. Your bills are paid. Right? Everything, I mean, 
is not like a glaring weakness in your life. Just a good, good person. You, you do good things. And so you might think, well, judgment, bring it, because I'm a good guy. And I would say you're wrong. And you're... Those who see with God's eyes embrace judgment because they know that they're not judged by their works, by their obedience, but by the obedience of another. That's the gospel. That is the good news of the kingdom. Do you know that? Do you know that? What makes me a Christian? Well, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? Da, da, da. You ask questions. It's, it's because of this. This is, this is the gospel that, that I, I won't be judged by my obedience, but the obedience of another by my belief alone. And it's such great news that even the dead will hear it and they will respond to the word that Jesus brings. In this passage, I'll, I'll read uh, 25 through 29, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. See, verse 25, it speaks to like a current perspective. Right now, Jesus is giving life to those who are spiritually dead, those who listen, and those who believe. And then as it goes on down, 28 and 29, it shifts to like a future perspective. Jesus will raise the dead to eternal life. Jesus is able to give life as he pleases because he is life in himself. You have to understand how crazy that sounds for this carpenter from Nazareth to make these claims. He, he's able to give life because he is life in himself. One, one said it this way. They said, if I walked into your house and I took a painting off of the wall and I gave it away, you'd be like, hey, like, what are you doing? How did you get into my house? And I'd be like, the key under the mat. I'm just kidding. If I walked in your house, I took a painting off the wall, I walked out and I gave it to someone on the street, that would sound crazy. But if I walked into my house and I took a painting off the wall and I gave it to anybody, no one would care. Maybe my wife. But other than that, no one would care. Why? Because it's my painting. The reality is, Jesus has the authority to give life because he, he owns life. It says in other places that he is life. And for those who believe, he doesn't just stand before you. He is your life. Do you mind if we close out, not with like three steps to a better life, but just by looking at the Bible just for a couple minutes? Can we do that? Is that okay? Is that fair? There's probably three steps to a better life in here, all right? 
Jesus describes himself with a title. He says, I'm the son of man. And then he says, don't marvel. And you're like, that's fine. I, I wasn't marveling because I don't know what that means, right? Like, it's a weird thing. Like, oh, I'm the son of man, and, but don't marvel at this because, and you're like, okay. So he's pointing back to this text in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel has written a half of millennia before the lion's den, right? Or maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You familiar with some of these? If not, that's okay. Right? Some, some childhood classics are in the book of Daniel. But what they never told you in, in, in that classroom was like, there's some crazy stuff in Daniel too. Like real crazy. And, and as you're reading along, there's all kinds of stuff. In Daniel chapter 7, it says this, right? As I looked, this is like a vision, right? So he, Daniel is experiencing a vision from God that reveals God's sovereignty over all the nations and kingdoms of the world, right? He says this, as I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seal. The Ancient of Days, like the one who's always been, right? His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. His wheels were, were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. Check it out. A thousand thousands served him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Uh, lots of people. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. A few verses later in, in verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven. This is it. You ready for it? There came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Right? All kinds of other prophecy stuff. Uh, someone from the line of David will rise up and will establish a kingdom just like this. And everybody, aristocrat, going to show up and invite me into the, the king's council. When did God's people get a win on the global scale? Jesus. In verse 27 here in John chapter 5, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. He's the one. The Jews knew it. That's who he's fighting with in this, this little blurb. They knew it. They're, you know what they would have said when he said, uh, because he is the son of man. <gasps> Blasphemy. So don't marvel at this. A time out. And, and those who have, have done good to resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is the story of the gospel. And the story of the gospel is that the king has come. So my question is, to make sure there's some legitimacy in point number three, receive the judgment of the son as given by the father. Who could embrace the judgment from God Almighty, creator, the perfect one? Who could stand? Who could receive that judgment? Who would embrace, who would receive the judgment of this king? The one who knows that Jesus, 
The one who judges isn't judging on our merit, our doing, our obedience, but his merit, his doing, his obedience for all who believe. Jesus has authority from God as God and his authority demands obedience. Because that's true, not in spite of that being true, we get to obey with all that we have and with all that we are and with all of our joy and honor and listening and believing and and willingly receiving Christ's judgment. So at the end of days, imagine this, you and all your brokenness around and you know the thought patterns of your life and the destruction that you've laid and the destruction that you've been spared from by not being able to do all that you might set your heart on. We get to at the end of days stand before holy God and say, bring it. Bring your judgment on me. Not because I'm great, but because you are. Not because I nailed it, because you nailed it. Not because I obeyed the Father and followed the Son perfectly, because you obeyed the Father and obeyed him perfectly. Not because I lived a life of honor at every turn, but because you lived a life of honor at every turn. Not because I listened and believed and it it changed the way that I live in every moment, but because you listened and you believed and it changed the way that you lived in every moment. Not arrogantly, but humbly embracing this good king. So we get to let him transform our hearts to the extent that, uh, that he does that is the extent that you will delight in judgment and obedience all the way to eternal life. And here's the beauty. You guys can come on up. You know, Titus helping me fix the toilet. Man, that, that's, that's you and me following Jesus. Joining the work of God. It's outside of our hands. We couldn't fix it if we wanted to. But, but knowing that it's in even better hands, we may not always get the float right or the seal set or whatever it is that, that he's inviting us to do so long as we're spending time with dad, listening to, obeying, and dad will take care of us and the mission of the kingdom will be just fine. And we get to respond today and as God and his authority demands obedience. And so what does it look like for you to follow him today? Right, there'll be some questions on the screen. We get to respond. You can stand up and you can sing. You can sit down and, and just consider deeply. You can pray. There's a prayer bench over there. Someone would love to pray with you back at that red tree. There's communion up here for those who are in Christ and have beheld these truths. You get to believe these truths today that Jesus laid down his life. He spilled his blood and he broke his body for us so that we might be pleasing to God. He rose to give us life. We get to remember and declare that truth by taking communion. If you're not part of God's family, that's not for you. We'd love to chat with you. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for your goodness, for your warning and your love, for your judgment and your provision. Thank you that, Jesus, that, that you're judge and executioner and and you've written the law and all of those things, and you are also the one that takes the rap for all who might believe. Would you let us behold you today? 
Let that change everything about us today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.